Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is both Match Week 15 and Match Week 16, our first double game week of the season. I'm your host, Braden. I'm here with my co-host and brother, Ethan. How's it going? And this week, we have an absolute boatload of coverage, and God knows we're probably not going to keep it under an hour. So I'm, I'm cutting out all the shenanigans. No, no banter. We're going straight <laughs> to the opening segment. Ethan, hit us with his intro segment about Girona. Yeah, so uh, for those of you not following uh, La Liga this season, Girona have been right in amongst the big boys in the title race. And with Real Madrid dropping points on Saturday away to Real Betis, uh, Girona playing Barcelona away had the opportunity to go top of the table. And having seen the... Uh, I was on the lookout for... um at a Girona schedule because I figured that partially that partially the reason because they were so high up in the table is because obviously they've been playing great but I figured that they had a relatively you know easier schedule and as Mm -hmm. it turns out that was the case and they did have some difficult games coming up and I saw the Barcelona game bookmarks I thought I'd you know want to that'd be a good time to have a look at them. And after the Real Madrid result, meaning Girona could go top if they won, I definitely wanted to sit down and watch this one. And so that's exactly what I did. And I have to say, this Girona team are the real fucking deal. I was astounded by the bravery that Girona played with. I mean, they were they were playing to their keeper under pressure, basically like inside this like six yard box and he was still playing the ball on the ground, uh, playing out of the back, uh, religiously. Uh, this is just a Girona team that are very committed to, uh, playing out of the back and are you know, really good at it too. And they played through Barcelona very well. If you didn't know who was who, you'd think that Girona was Barcelona on the day. They ended up winning this game 4-2 and are, in fact, top of La Liga on 41 points, which is the fourth most any team has managed in La Liga by this point in the season. Uh, Girona were sitting in the fourth division just 16 years ago, uh, and this is their first time ever beating Barcelona uh, in the league and possibly ever. So. I'm glad I finally got to see them for myself because this is a very, very fun team to watch. And wow. while I still don't think that they're going to win the title, I do firmly believe that Real Madrid will win the title, especially since they'll get some of the big missing pieces uh, back in the next couple of months. I do think that Girona will be right there uh, for the title come May. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I can't say I've kept serious tabs on the La Liga title race, but obviously it's impossible to ignore what Girona's doing so far this year. Um, but yeah, I just kind of assumed it was one of those things where like, you know, there's always like a, I'm, I think Watford was like top three for like 10 weeks last season, like, or a couple of seasons ago, just like, you know, a good, good, uh, you know, a team you wouldn't expect to start hot starts hot and has an easy run of games. It's not unfathomable that something like this would happen, but you know, mm-hmm. 16 match weeks into the season, and they get this result against Barca, like, uh, just crazy. And, yeah. you know, you see, I'm not going to acquaint to Leverkusen, because Leverkusen are obviously a little bit bigger than mm-hmm. Girona, but, like, it just goes yeah. to show, like, it's the beauty of our sport. Like, just 
tactics, and they're all professionals. Like mm. the difference between Bellingham and a mid-tier La Liga player on the grand scale of football, infinitesimally small. If you can, if you can get these professional footballers to stay disciplined and organized and trust their ability, you could you could do anything. And that's it's it's rare to say that in any sport. You know, you can't replicate Kevin Durant. You, you, you can't. You can maybe replicate him for one game, but you can't replicate him over an a, a NBA season. But in soccer, I, anything is possible with discipline and uh, ma- good managerial tactics. And so look at Brighton. Like, same thing. Like, they, they make stars out of everybody who comes to the team, and it's not a coincidence. Yeah. Anyways, we move swiftly along to some Match Week 15 coverage, starting off with Luton Town 3. Arsenal 4, if you didn't catch this one, I feel bad for you because it was a fantastic <laughs> affair. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli gets a start in the 20th minute. Gabriel Osho in the 25th equalizes. Jesus gets the lead back for Arsenal in the 45th. Elijah Adebayo in the 49th to equalize. Then Ross Barkley in the 57th. Kai Havertz swiftly after that in the 60th to make it 3-3. And then who else but Declan Rice in the 97th minute. His second extra time winner of the season. And we're just 16 match weeks in. Arsenal take all three at Kenilworth Road. And I had not one, but two marketing presentations during this game alone. The game's <laughs> only an hour and 45 minutes. It's one of the shorter professional sports, well-known professional sports on the planet. And somehow I managed to fit two unmissable 15-minute spans in that time. Uh, I did, unfortunately, miss the Declan Rice goal. Honestly... Maybe a blessing in disguise because I would have popped out of my chair and it's not a big lecture hall. It's probably 40 people. So I would have got some participation points off. But what a fantastic game. Yeah. Yeah. I think before anything else, we have to credit the unfortunate losing team in this game because really neither of these teams deserve to lose. And Luton put in just a phenomenal performance, all things considered. They, I was really surprised. Uh, I haven't, I didn't watch a lot of Luton Town this season before uh, this Arsenal game. I saw uh, a bit of a game against Liverpool where they looked very good at home. Um, But I was really surprised when out of the gate, Luton didn't sit back at all. They played very high up the field in the first half. And I thought that was encouraging for Arsenal because I figured we'd play right through them. But Luton were were pretty good. I mean, the, the first Arsenal goal really came from kind of just like a freak pass that Kaminsky had to put out of play. And then... Jesus is just very quick with it and threw the ball into Saka and he squared it for Martinelli. So that didn't really come from much Arsenal buildup. The second Arsenal goal was very good. Um, and yeah, for the most part, Arsenal kind of struggled to create opportunities in that first half, but they were just very clinical. So that's why they uh, went into the break up a goal. And then obviously Loon get another equalizer right on the right after halftime. We'll talk about uh, Raya in a second. But then the go-ahead goal from Ross Barkley, another player we have to highlight because Ross Barkley mm. was phenomenal this game. Yeah. I had no idea he still had this in his bag, but he he just looks so confident on the ball, always always wanting to receive the ball even under pressure, always looking to be direct uh, and go at the Arsenal defense. So phenomenal uh, performance from him, really good signing for uh, Luton. Uh, and then the, the game kind of, that well, I mean, right after that was the Kai Havertz goal. And I think this goal mm-hmm. is, 
exactly what Arteta envisioned with the signing of Kai Havertz. Jesus Mm -hmm. holding the ball up with his strength, with his control, Mm -hmm. and then Kai Havertz running off him, making that late run into the box. Jesus finds him. Kai Havertz finishes clinically. That is exactly uh, what Arteta pictured when signing Kai Havertz in this, you know, Mm -hmm. left-sided eight kind of, you know, second striker role. I mean, this is, you know, picture perfect from Arsenal. And uh, yeah, I think I think I owe Kai Havertz a bit of an apology because personally, I like to consider myself a bit less of a pessimist than you, at least <laughs> uh, in term in terms of or maybe not less pessimistic, but less reactionary. I like to say sure. I have. Uh, I let things simmer for a bit longer. But for sure. the context of this season, I was like, Kai Havertz ain't doing shit. I, I believe that Kai Havertz one day could be a great Arsenal player, mm-hmm. just as Xhaka was his first yeah. couple of years. Arsenal didn't really put it together, but then at the end, uh, obviously became a cult hero. I thought Kai Havertz could follow a similar path. In no way whatsoever did I think Kai Havertz would turn it around this quickly. I mean, after mm-hmm. that Brentford goal, it's like something absolutely just... yeah clicked and he's looked yeah. fantastic ever since by far his best game in an arsenal shirt and absolutely close and like and that's almost a testament to how poor he's been in the other games but mm-hmm. yeah this was it just he it's clearly a confidence thing and it, it like you didn't even need to see this game to know it was a confidence thing because he's still like a wonder kid like he's 20 what three like 24 24 like, yeah it's still, he's still a kid. He's still growing. We say it's about Raheem Sterling. Like, you think if you saw Raheem Sterling's career, you'd think he's 33. He's like 28. <laughs> like, we, we it, when, in this day and age, when you got 15-year-olds like Winieri coming onto the field, uh, you know, it, it, you, it just makes you feel like these, like, 23-year-olds are veterans. When they're not, they're still 23 going against in the in the premier league going against like full like fully developed fully like it's and this is something that i haven't always believed and i think the development of arsenal my favorite football club in the last couple of years both on the field and managerially has made me much more patient with players jaka is a perfect example of that i was Fully content with never seeing Xhaka in an Arsenal shirt after he stormed off the pitch against Crystal Palace. He came back and was borderline undroppable last season. Like, it's... And Xhaka's not even young. He's just... He was like 29 when he stormed off the pitch. And he came back when he was 31 and now and, and was great. Like, Kai Havertz is clearly a very, very special player. He is a unique talent. And when it comes to pure footballing ability, it's clear he is on paper worth that $65 million. However, it's his confidence and on-field product that has really made both Chelsea fans and, for the first part of the season, Arsenal fans very frustrated with him. But in this game, he... You said it uh, off, off the podcast. He, took, he had two take-ons in this game. I don't think he even attempted one in any game before that. Yeah. Like, he is quick... <laughs> Lengthy, tall, strong, great first touch. He has like all the keep the the like hard skills to be an unbelievable creative midfielder in the Premier League, and he just like doesn't choose to do it. Like he doesn't have that confidence yet, and 
Oh, the Luton game was a good example. The game before that, that Brentford goal is probably big for his confidence. Like, it's clearly a confidence thing, and he's growing into this team, and it's very nice to see from an Arsenal perspective. Uh, this is, to get to the team itself, every team that's ever won the Premier League, and I'm saying this after seeing the, the you know, as Villa result, obviously, um, every team that's ever won the Premier League has had wins like this where they've had to go into uh, a park where they were heavily favored to win, get punched in the mouth, and then squeak out a victory. Every team, from the Centurions all the way down to, you know, Leicester City, have always had to do something like this, probably multiple times. And this, this is a win that when the final whistle blew, it felt... I don't know if it was the same thing for you as an Arsenal fan, but like it felt, and there were some wins last year that were the same way. Bournemouth sticks uh, out to me as well. That yeah. you're just like, this feels like a piece of the puzzle of a of a Premier League winning season. Mm-hmm. And that you can't say that about every win, but this one just away from home, a, a team that clearly, I mean, City did the same thing mm-hmm. the next week. Teams struggle with this. Maybe it, whether it's the pitch, whether it's the how close the fans are. New team, they play very high. I mean, we we talked about it. Like they they pressed high, they played well. Luton played very well in this game, but it just felt like a piece of the puzzle of a championship winning season. I said that maybe six times last season, probably more, <laughs> and we didn't end up winning the title. So, for, for <laughs> probably not worth much coming out of my mouth, but I'll say it again because fuck it. This seems like a piece of the puzzle of a championship winning season. No, it it absolutely felt that way. And like you said, you could think of so many victories last season where it felt that way. Also, the Danny Welbeck goal in uh, 2016 really. Yeah, stop. I That's think more Omega. than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's weird because there have been, I mean, there have been a lot of really late winners yeah. this season. Right. I mean, Rice is against United, yeah. of course. Um Kai Havertz's against Last Brentford week, yeah. not too long ago, but yeah. this one really just fell. I mean, since this was similar to the Reese Nelson goal, it was yeah. like the last kick of the game. And there comes a certain point, especially now as an Arsenal fan, where since we are a bit more accustomed to these late goals, mm-hmm. you know, you hold out hope to a certain point. And I think the similarities between this Rice goal and the Reese Nelson goal is that, at least for me personally, before both of these goals, by that time, I'm thinking, well, we're drawing this game. Yeah. We're going to draw a Bournemouth yeah. at home. We're drawing a Luton away. Like, we're, we're not winning this. And then mm-hmm. it's, it's what makes that, you know, like, you know, just despair to ecstasy. Yeah, it's just what we love about this game. But, sure. yeah, to, to mention one more thing about, you know, the game itself, now I get two Samuel, um... Arteta, uh, after the or amidst the celebrations, gets booked for leaving his technical oh, yeah. area, <laughs> and as a result, misses the Aston Villa game. I I I really tried to look hard for um anything that really warranted a booking. Like if he if he mm-hmm. had gone on the field, or maybe he had gone into Rob Edwards' technical area, I would somewhat yeah. understand that. But sure, yeah, Arteta strayed no more than ten yards down his own. Yeah touchline towards the arsenal celebrations i i mean i think nothing short of just a completely ludicrous decision yeah unless unless he was repeatedly told like he comes out of the technical area frequently during the match and it's possible like he was told 
like multiple times to stay in his technical area and then didn't. And then on the last goal, he left and they booked him for it, which would be a little more understandable. But I've seen Diego Simeone run down the touchline and grab his nuts towards the away crowd or away fans <laughs> and see nothing. So I, again, ludicrous, but it's it's like one of those things. Like everybody talks about the referees, but when Arteta does it, he gets booked for it. I don't know. Um, one last thing before we move on. Declan Rice is, and I don't think this is coming from a place of bias. I, if you don't think he's a player of the season right now, I think you should probably watch a little more of Arsenal play because he, there, there's nothing that Arsenal does on the field that is not backboned, if you will, by Declan Rice. I genuinely could count on the fingers of one hand how many times he has a just given away the ball in general but be like just screwed up even like positionally even like went in for a tackle and missed i does he even have a yellow card in the season probably not even if it was it was purely tactical like he he is actually not put a single foot wrong and it's it, it's rare that you spend a hundred million on a player and feel like you got to steal. And yeah. that's what it is. It's every <laughs> single time the ball's in his vicinity, he goes and gets it clean or he comes out with it. Or every time he's like triple teams, he wiggles out of it or finds a pass. It's he's smart, strong. He's like quick over long distances. He's not like quick, quick, mm. but he, he's not like Conte quick in the midfield, but he's like quick over long distances. He can cover for left backs, right backs. You know, Saliba will slide out to cover. A wing back, you know, Zinchenko goes up the field. Maybe Gabriel slides out. Rice will be back. He's a fantastic work rate. He is the player of the season right now. I mean, obviously, Erling Holland is scoring a lot of goals, but uh, I would say at worst a tie between the two. But I honestly think Declan Rice has been more instrumental to uh, Arsenal's success than Holland's been to City's success. Yeah, definitely. If, if we're talking about MVP, most valuable player, I think that has to go to Rice this season. Agreed. Aston Villa 1. Manchester City 0. The first of two insane victories for Villa at Villa Park. Um, I mean, one of the... One of the... How do I put this? Most on-fire teams I've seen in a while in the Premier League. Just from, like, their... On paper, like, like you know, baseline quality to the way they've been playing, one of the most, like, formidable teams I've seen in the Premier League. Not, like, best ever, but, like, from the difference between their baseline, which is still good, and mm. their what they're playing at right, right now, which I can only assume is their peak, insanely on fire. The goal <clears throat> would come from Leon Bailey in the 74th minute. And honestly... One was probably not doesn't do Villa justice on the day. I can probably say I have never seen City dominated this much, at least in the prime Guardiola years. No, I mean it's I mean, it's not just a subjective thing. They were objectively outplayed, outshot twenty two goal or twenty two shots to two, the most a Guardiola team has ever been outshot. Yeah. Um. Just absolutely crazy to see City outplayed like that. I mean, once they had gone to goal down, you're thinking, okay, Villa hunkered down. They sit back, try to hold out. 
Villa looked like the more likely team to score after the opening <laughs> goal. They really did. Douglas Luiz hit the post with a fantastic strike, but they were they still came forward in droves and City really didn't look like scoring at all. I mean, they only had two shots in this game. They both came on like a 15-second uh, sequence with Emmy Martinez making two great saves off of Erling Holland. Um, another thing to another big thing to note again is uh, the absence of Rodri here. That now makes it four games and four defeats without Rodri. Um, I mean, we just talked about Rice as you know the most valuable player. But I think uh, <laughs> I think I have to eat my words there because clearly mm-hmm. Rodri seems to be the most valuable uh, asset in the Premier League because uh, yeah, you know, it doesn't based get... on their <laughs> results. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, are these the only four losses of City season two? I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> just when he's not there, yeah. Quite literally, only when he's not. If if Rodri like tears an ACL or something city are going down like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um but it's interesting to see how city um looked in the midfield cuz it was a bit unconventional obviously uh without Rodri they had to you know make a bit of a makeshift Rico midfield Lewis, but yeah but yeah they had Rico Lewis Stones and Akanji seeming to make up like a midfield uh trio with then Julian Alvarez sitting almost as like a playing almost kind of like a 10, and then Foden and mm. Bernardo Silva out wide. I thought maybe Bernardo Silva would have played more centrally here mm. and then moved uh, Julian Alvarez out on the wing. Uh, but it seemed like Pep was just trying to crowd the middle of the field a bit, and it didn't really work out for him. And then Unai um, goes with four Snyder mid. It's not the first time he's done that, and definitely a tactical thing. He went with uh, Kamara, McGinn... Um, I'm trying to think all the time. Uh, Tielemans and Douglas Louise. and this really worked worked out for him. I mean, this is not um, it is purely tactical, nothing to do with uh the personnel. Villa have been very very healthy as of late, which certainly has mm-hmm. helped them uh maintain this incredible run of form. But I think with just the four center mids, it just really helps um not only patrol like the wide areas. But um, I think McGinn and Tielemans are really both very good with um, controlling the ball with uh, a man on their back. And that's, that's really the key to Villa mm. playing out of the back here because when they, when they get pressed, they can play that little clip ball you know, over the defender in the passing lane and mm-hmm. McGinn and Tielemans and then also the front two of uh, Bailey and Watkins are all very, very comfortable with receiving the ball with the man on their back. Their first touch is really good. So they're able to play out of that pressure with the ball in the air, with, which a lot of teams you know, wouldn't really want to do. They want to keep the ball on the ground. But because they can do that and have that advantage, you see you know, how often Villa are able to break presses and then just fly forward on the break. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that, and we'll get to the Arsenal game too, but, I mean, in this game against Manchester City, that's, I mean... That's pretty much what led to the Leon Bailey goal. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they they should have had three probably in this game at least, um, and like City probably should have had none. Like two shots, two on goal. Like the obviously missing Rodri's huge, but like they had five center backs. Is that true? Oh no, they had, they had four center backs and a right back. 
um, and then Rico Lewis, who is just like a miscellaneous player. Uh, obviously hurting a little bit, but you can't really fault what Aston Villa is doing right now. Uh, we've seen City dominate with the, you know, throwing the Cole Palmers out there when they had him and like all, all these like Rico Lewis and they've, they've run every center back you see here is played in the midfield at some point. They can do it with anyone. They can do it without Holland. To do that to City at any point with any amount of injuries is eye-opening. And I think the eyes would f- be further opened by this next result. Aston Villa won. Arsenal, nil this time. Home streak of uh, wins or points? I don't even know. Probably wins. Wins. Uh, yeah, to 15 matches. Longest in club history. Not shocking. Beating the two best teams in the league, in my opinion, on uh, back-to-back weeks. In four days, really. Um, Just, this one was a little bit different. Uh, Arsenal a little bit more um, healthy. Uh, But it was always going to be a blistering opening seven minutes. Like the Aston Villa crowd having come off the back of a win not more than four days ago. Um, against the treble winners and arguably best team on the planet, uh, back home against the second best team in the league, if you will, it was always going to be kind of like a got to withstand those first uh, 10, 15 minutes and kind of just feel out the game, regain control, and then you could do your thing. Arsenal, we're not so fortunate. John McGinn gets the goal in the seventh minute. John McGinn, out of absolutely nowhere, he was getting dropped last season for you know the Jacob Ramsey's. He has been one of their most valuable players in this little run that they've had. And, I mean, he deserves all the credit. Like, he is... And he's got an engine. He's industrious. He's accurate. He's scoring goals. Like, he's... And this, he's not even playing center mid, I don't think. He's playing, like, left wing. And he's still on offense, on defense. Like, is he the most talented player in the world? No. There are probably eight more talented players in the starting 11 alone. However, he is playing his role to its peak and that's kind of what you need when from these role players when you're not you know a big six club that has you know 80 million pound players at every position but after those first 15 minutes arsenal on you could say controlled the game i it was not their best performance and some they just have these games and that's why what makes me so skeptical at times that they can do it over a, seven, a 38 game season is that they just have these games where they come out just flat. I, I Everton this year, they scraped out a victory, but it was the same way. They just, and this was during Everton's poor patch, not during their recent, like, you know, Los Blancos, Galacticos patch that they've had recently. <laughs> um, but they just have these games where they show up, and in 10 minutes, you're like, all right, well, all 11 dudes don't have it today. It's just one of those things where, like, the ball, it's not clicking, the passing's not quick. You know, it's it takes so much to be really good in the Premier League, and that includes like one touch passing. You got to hit like the front foot. You got to take for good first touches, and just like none of that tangible stuff was there. And I think it led to just a clunky performance. Maybe they could have got a scraped a goal in there. The Havertz one was disallowed. Maybe a couple penalty shouts, but I have a tough time really telling myself that they deserve three on the day. Yeah, yeah, this is just such a weird Arsenal performance because I've never seen a team control the game so much and yet produce so little quality, not just in the final third, but in mm. all areas of the field. They were There was a couple back passes that I think went out for 
corners or throw from Saliba too. Yeah, yeah, from Saliba. Um, middle of the field, just misplacing passes. Final third, making the wrong decisions, missing chances. Odegaard had two really, really good chances. Not sitters, oh, yeah. but out of those two, I mean, you'd expect that at least one, one to hit the back of the yeah. net. The one that sticks out to me is the one that Jesus served to him. And honestly, fair play to to Emmy Martinez. Don't love the dude as a person, but he read the shit out of that. Yeah. And he basically just had to like read body language and guess where Odegaard was gonna put it, and he guessed perfectly. And he I think he caught it. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> and from did. that range, more or less a penalty, like whole goal to shoot for, he just read the shit out of it. And fair play. Odegaard obviously gotta put that away ten times out of ten, but like Martinez did the most and he that's that's just a good save. But continue. Yeah, but overall, like quality aside and execution aside, it's a it was honestly an impressive performance from us. You think you look at the first seven minutes of that game leading up to the hmm. Leon Bailey or the uh, John McGinn goal, and once that ball goes in, you're thinking, yeah, we're in for a really long night because yeah. yeah, Aston Villa came out of the blocks just absolutely firing on all cylinders and it looked like yeah. Arsenal were absolutely no match but credit to them they slowed the game down they took control and Villa never really had Villa had their chances in the game that's for sure but Villa never really had any real periods of sustained control mm-hmm. in that game so it was honestly yeah. impressive from an Arsenal point of view because mm-hmm. this Villa team absolutely flying at home but mm-hmm. it was honestly just one of those days where they were just missing so much quality yeah. and from an Arsenal point of view, I think it's almost easier to deal with the defeat when mm-hmm. it was just such an off day in terms of quality. I think it's more promising yeah. that they've shown that they can control a game against that caliber of team in yeah. that kind of form. And mm-hmm. that on a different day, they would have gotten three points just because they were better on the ball. You take Arsenal's yeah. performance on the ball from any mm-hmm. other game in the Prem this season and you put that into this performance yeah. at Villa Park and they get at least a point in my opinion. They've yeah. just never been this bad on the ball in honestly yeah. a good deal of time. Yeah. Yeah. And like again we talk about like pieces to a title winning season. Sure, you're not gonna be that's you know the beauty of a thirty eight game season is like you're allowed a little bit of error. Maybe not in this era of the Premier League era. I said error and era as the same word. It was first error, now it's era. This era of the Premier League. And, you know, we look at the... And I want to talk a little bit about uh, Aston Villa's season and where they go from here. Because beating the two best teams in the league, probably you're thinking, well, surely we have a shot at the title. I mean, we're two points off of Liverpool. Um, I'm here to say that's a hard no and they should probably cling to top four for dear life because here and uh, you want to compare you want to say Aston Villa's got a shot at the title you probably compare them a lot to Leicester because Leicester very similar in some ways maybe Villa don't have the player of the season on their team this year but you know on very on form striker Ollie Watkins game winning game winner on some days but there's a couple things that Leicester had that Aston Villa don't have. And Aston Villa, one, have European football. It will spread them thin. It will take their mind off the Premier League. They could pull an Arsenal and just ditch everything else and focus on the league. 
maybe could be uh, beneficial for them. We we met. Yeah, we meant of, to lose uh, obviously that tie intentional. This yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, sh- shout out Ramsdale for intentionally being terrible at penalties just to get us out of there. Mm. Um, two perfect storm of a season that Premier League season. That was the beginning of Guardiola's reign. They were not there yet. They uh, United were trash. That was like Lingard, Martial era with like Pogba being injured. Like that was that was just a not. I think it was Van Hall. Like that was not a good uh, Premier League team. And then what? Chelsea was tenth for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had prime to be fair, Tottenham. Chelsea which... are going to be tenth all season yeah. <laughs> this year. <laughs> so maybe that's one thing they got going for. Um, Something says so. <laughs> Tottenham were prime Tottenham, but that is, you know, solid third at best. Maybe they were title contenders for a lot of the year, but I think, again, that was a perfect storm thing. And their main competition was a Giroud-led Arsenal team. They had Ozil and Sanchez, but that was a, like, they had Czech, they had 37-year-old Czech in goal. They had Koscielny, Monreal. They were running, (laughs) they were running like Debussy at right back, like Bellerit, like, I don't know. It was, it was a different era of the Premier League. Now they got, I think they should hang on to Top four for dear life because this Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City team are better than any team in the Leicester season, and probably this Tottenham team when they're healthy. And they will get their players back, and they will be dominant again. I am sure of it. So, right now, I would probably ac- accumulate as many points as you can, as as good as they've been. And honestly, God knows when this will stop because uh, they they have a bunch of home games left. And if they're this dominant at home, sure. But also, they have not been good on the road. At all, like pretty bad. I think they drew Bournemouth a couple weeks ago on the road. Like that, this is they're they're just a different team on, on the road, and they're playing in an era of the Premier League that is very very difficult. So I'm not even gonna say they're gonna definitely get top four because I can't say that with 100 percent certainty. That being said, fantastic team right now. Nothing to say bad about them right now. And with that. We will take you through some scores from around the grounds from both Match Week 15 and Match Week 16. I'm going to go full Carnival Barker on this one, see if I can speed run it. Wolves won Burnley nil. Goal came from Huang Hee Chan. That's the winner. I mean, who else right now for, for Wolves? Wolves, a team that had going down. Not so much right now. They are absolutely flying. <laughs> um... They sit 13th on 19, tied with a bunch of teams in there. Uh, Bournemouth, Wolves, Chelsea, and Brentford all on 19 points in there. Um, but yeah, right now, sunshine and roses for Wolves. Uh, Sheffield United nil, Liverpool 2, an expected result. Liverpool get the job done on the road. This was, I believe, um, the first match week for Chris Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so new manager bounce against one of the better teams in the league. All right, we'll give you a pass there. Fulham 5, Nottingham Forest nil. This is the first of two 5-0 victories that I will go through this week. Uh, Wobi twice, Jimenez twice, and Kearney were the goal scorers. Uh, absolutely, Forest were no match for Fulham on the day. I'll get to, the, I'll get to Fulham's place when we get to their second 5-0. Uh, Crystal Palace <laughs> nil, Bournemouth two. Bournemouth, a team secretly on very good form right now. Uh, they take all three from Selhurst, and it was Sensi and Kiefer Moore on the goals. 
82 oh that's pass accuracy sorry i was gonna say 82 percent possession for crystal palace that is mm-hmm. a lot of possession um but bournemouth clean sheet dub at selhurst what more can you ask brighton two brentford one brighton getting a win nice for them they're getting starting to get some of their players back matoma's coming back into the team um they've switched out Joe pedro for um, Evan Ferguson recently because Evan Ferguson has not been on great form. Honestly, as soon as he scored that hat trick, he's kind of been all form. Um, but Brighton getting the job done at home, very nice to see off a little bit of a poor spell from them recently. Manchester United 2, Chelsea 1. Big six clash that we couldn't fit into the uh, prime games this week. Not necessarily their fault. Uh, Scott McTominay on the brace. I mean, Jude Bellingham's got some company up there. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Who turned this uh, Cole man Palmer. into a center mid? <laughs> I, I want to have a word. <laughs> um, Cole Palmer gets the what would be consolation, and Manchester United oopsieing and slipping and sliding their way to another victory. I mean, do they pass the eye test? No, but like they keep winning, and they're in six right now, and you wouldn't well, know let's, it, honestly. Let's wait till uh, the next game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, good point. Um... Everton 3, Newcastle 0. If not for Aston Villa, this would be the absolute story of the Premier League right now. Everton just steamrolling. They are so pissed at the PGMOL for <laughs> for trying to send them down. Uh, give Sean Dyche a bunch of athletic white dudes and six months, and he could get you anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely anywhere. They the fucked up point. giving him Dwight McNeil. <laughs> the 10 point deduction in the end will probably earn them like a net 30 points <laughs> by the end of it. They're going to be 12th. Like, I mean, if they get their they're title favorites, if they get that 10 points back, um, the, go- <laughs> the goals came from Dwight McNeil, Abdullah Decore, and Beto in the 96th. And Newcastle were simply no match for Everton at Goodison is a sentence I didn't know I would say on this podcast, but I sure did. <laughs> And finally, for match week 15, Tottenham Hotspur 1, West Ham 2. How Tottenham Hotspur managed to weasel their way to a, draw, to a loss in this game. Just only one word to describe it, and that's Spursy. Christian Romero in the 11th minute, Jared Bone in the 52nd, then James Ward-Prowse in the 74th. They were just utterly dominant in this game, and just completely by their own fault conceded twice and somehow did not put the ball in the other teams that like actually West Ham gave them every opportunity to win this game and they somehow lost it yeah I'm shocked that, that I'm looking at the stats yeah, right now I'm just shocked that West Ham had 11 shots in this game because they were just the second goal was like utterly dominated the second goal was essentially gift wrapped for them yeah <laughs> like it's just just spursy that's like there's no real word in the English dictionary besides spursy that can describe what they're doing mm-hmm. right now on to match week 16, Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2, a late, late show from Harvey Elliott, um, sees them take all three off at Jordan Ayew, red card, probably a bit fortunate to take three from this game, we're not fantastic on the day, but Liverpool getting the job done this season, kind of been a theme, and they got it done at Selhurst. Uh, we'll go through some standings now, uh, Crystal Palace back-to-back losses, uh, puts them in 15th. Way below their, their normal standard. I'm sure they'll rebound. I fear for the next team to play them because they will rebound at some point. But four losses for their last five. 
Um, right now sitting just seven points above the relegation zone. I, I think they, they just lost Eze too, which is not great yeah. because he is one of their catalysts offensively. So could be some tough times ahead for Crystal Palace. We will have to see. Wolves one, Nottingham Forest one, pretty standard draw here. Cunha in the thirty second after a Harry Tofolo, Tofolo in the fourteenth. Um, Wolves sitting thirteenth, like I said. Nottingham Forest sitting just below Crystal Palace on fourteen, five points out of the relegation zone. They are not necessarily safe either, Ethan. No, they are not. Brighton one, Burnley one, decent result for Burnley here, fighting off relegation. Uh. Wilson Odebear in the 45th, Simon Adingra in the 77th sees the points shared. Obviously, as you'd expect, 29 shots, 11 on target, 72% possession for Burnley. No, I'm kidding. It was, it was Brighton <laughs> um, at home. Just casual dominant Brighton, but recently have not been able to get the, the job done. Uh, Burnley sit 19th on eight points. Uh, five points from safety. Everton sit... Uh, uh, <clears throat> gatekeeping that uh 17th spot right now uh brighton eighth on 26 their hot start has cooled sheffield united won brentford nil huge huge three points for sheffield united uh they take three from brentford and they are now sitting still 20th but tied <laughs> on eighth <laughs> tied on eight points with burnley lutton town on nine so nine eight eight goes the bottom three all to play for for that 20th spot, but uh, looks like Everton right <laughs> now are uh, safeguarding that 17th spot. Doesn't look like they're going to give it up anytime soon either. Maybe only for 16th. <laughs> Manchester United nil, Bournemouth 3. Not a pretty result for the Red Devils. Solanke in the 5th. Fantastic season so far, by the way, for Dominic Solanke. Uh, Philip Billing in the 68th, and Marcus Senesi in the 73rd sees... Bournemouth stomp all over United. Probably could have been four if not for like a toenail offside on, a, on another goal. Um, Manchester United now sits sixth on 27. Six points off of City in fourth. Wild. Every time I see that, I, I get taken aback <laughs> that they're not like first or second. Um, and then Bournemouth shooting up the table, clearing themselves by 10 points of relegation. They're in 14th on 19. Bournemouth. A lot of teams had to take them to go down, and they are well and truly putting in some nice performances recently. Yeah, I mean, four wins from the last five, and the one they didn't win was a 2-2 draw against Aston Villa. So, yeah, they're, I mean, a lot, I mean, I think, I don't think I predicted Bournemouth to go down. I think I had them somewhere yeah. around 14th just because yeah, I had. I think I had them in 17th, yeah. I, I had some good amount of faith in uh, Andoni Iriola, and <laughs> it's a, Finally, uh, that faith is starting to uh, pay off a bit because sure. it was a very poor start to the season, and they did have high hopes for him, especially after getting rid of O'Neill after the job he did. It was very controversial, yeah. and they, you know, there was high expectations, and he's finally delivering. Luton Town one, Manchester City two. Adebayo in the forty-fifth plus two sees Luton go ahead, but Silva in the sixty-second, Grealish in the sixty-fifth. See, City snatched three points back at Kenilworth Road. I mean, clearly, Luton Town is a difficult place to play right now. Um, City and Arsenal swapping Villa for Kenilworth Road, respectively. Um, two very difficult, maybe the two most difficult places to play right now in the Premier League, Villa Park and Kenilworth Road. Um, but for their troubles, they come out with zero points from two very, very 
impressive performances. They still sit 18th on nine points, four points from safety. Uh, Everton, again, 17th. And then City dropping down to fourth place, uh, four points off of Liverpool, uh, who sit first. They are three points ahead of Tottenham for fifth. But the day City come in the Europa League spot is the day picks fly. So <laughs> Fulham five, West Ham nil. Fulham, another team you really don't want to be playing right now. Jimenez, Willian, oh lordy. Adorabi, Adorabio? Adorabioyo is my final answer for that. Tosin Adorabioyo in the 41st. Uh, Harry Wilson in the 60th and Carlos Vinicius in the 89th seat. Fulham through to back-to-back five nillers. I think it's um, Adorabio, by the way. Adorabio. Close enough, honestly. Um, they now sit 10th just behind this West Ham team on 21 points, three points off West Ham, who are in ninth. Fulham, William Jimenez driven Fulham are a formidable force in the Premier League. And I say that with my chest. Yeah, now loving this uh, Jimenez resurgence. I think everybody sure. is. I mean, yeah. great to see him. Good guy. Uh, rediscovering his form sure uh i think this definitely also uh because after the five nil defeat uh for nottingham forest at craven college i think a lot of people thought that was gonna be it for steve cooper at nottingham forest but he did manage to uh survive the week and i think the fact that west ham also got dumped five nil surely helps (laughs) uh (laughs) steve cooper's cause there everton two Chelsea, nil. This is Everton's third clean sheet victory in a row, um, dating back to like a month ago. Abdullah Decore in the 54th, the reincarnation of Zidane? I don't even know. Probably Zidane's probably not even good enough to be considered what Abdullah Decore <laughs> is right now. Uh, then Lewis Dobbin in the 92nd sees Everton take all three at Goodison, and Sean Dyche has this team absolutely flying. They are four points clear in 17th. Of Luton Town in 18th, and Chelsea, back where they belong, in 12th on 19 <laughs> points. Somewhere in this 19... There's four teams, 11 to 14 on 19, they're one of them. And they're and lucky that Everton got go the point deduction, or else it would have been yeah. 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, and last but not least, Tottenham 4, Newcastle 1. Tottenham taking that poor performance against West Ham, personally, and letting it all out on Newcastle of all teams. Uh, Udogi in the 26th, Richarlison, Brace. I'm going to say that again for effect. Richarlison, <laughs> Brace, and Youngman Son in the 85th. Jolinton uh, has a consolation in the 91st, but well and truly dominant from Spurs, and without some of their key players, those performances have been a bit hard to come by. Nice to see Tottenham rediscover a little bit of form before the holiday fixtures. And that rounds out match week 15 and match week 16. Let's get on to some match week 17 coverage. Just one prediction this week. Liverpool hosting United at Anfield. Ethan, what do you got? So I really wanted to come up with a reason for why United could make a big shake up this game and get a result here. I wouldn't predict them to win, but try to come up with a reason why United would get a point out of this game. 
Uh, and then I found out that Bruno was actually suspended for this game, and then it became it became really difficult. So I I, I thought this week I'd try to be really like creative and out there with my pick, but I I really I tried. I really just can't. Um, yeah. Liverpool three, Man United nil. <laughs> yeah, I'm going four nil. Like this is this is gonna get ugly, folks. Uh, and it's gonna be early too. It's gonna be three 0 like the. 25th minute like they're gonna get blitzed um they will have nothing going forward uh not only does Bruno Fernandes provide most of their attacking quality but he's also their outlet in their press break and he is a big part of what they do on the defensive side of the offensive part of the ball and Liverpool play that high press they will be in trouble as good as Scott McTominay is he can't do it alone no, not e- not even McSauce could <laughs> could write this ship right now without Bruno uh, at yeah. Anfield. Liverpool four, Manchester United nil, and that moves us swiftly along to the closing segment of today's podcast. I will pass it on to my brother to take it away. Yeah, so typically you're used to uh, eat them versus Twitter on this podcast, but this time it is going to be Braden versus Twitter. Amazing, but in reality it's actually gonna be Braden versus a singular instagram comment section because this this Braden versus twitter is really based upon a singular post and that is uh dwight mcneil's uh post oh lord (laughs) (laughs) clearly Braden does not need context for this but i will give the viewer the listeners context uh so following Everton's fantastic win over Chelsea at home, uh, solidifying their uh, three-game win streak. <laughs> McNeil posted a uh, photo himself to his Instagram, celebrating with uh, Abdullah Decore after Decore opened the scoring against Chelsea. And uh, let's just say McNeil appeared to be extremely excited about <laughs> <laughs> going 1-0 up at home. Just very visibly excited in the lower part of his body. So, as you might imagine, there were a lot of comments <laughs> uh, that were very entertaining to look at. I, I'm sure since Brain was laughing so hard before, uh, right as I said, Dwight McNeil, I'm assuming he's probably seen a couple of these. So we'll see. Uh, I've not. I've not seen the actual photo. I've seen some of the like. Liver- the um Twitter like reactions to it, mm. so I have not seen the actual like original post on Instagram, so I am not privy to it. Okay, so here I have uh a- as you know uh Ethan versus Twitter always goes. I here have five uh now sure. Instagram comments, and Brian will have to decipher which ones are real and which ones I have made up. Brian, are you ready? More ready than I will ever be. <laughs> All right, starting off. Bro successfully appealed the 10-inch deduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Somebody said that for sure. For sure that is real. <laughs> this one was not real. I <laughs> Damn! I Hold I came up with that one. <laughs> That's funny as fuck, though. 
I mean, it's very possible somebody said it. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean that photo went around a lot of places, so yeah. someone could have come up with it. But as far as I could tell, that one was all me. All right, now for the next one. Seven on his shorts, seven in his shorts. <laughs> Fuck. Fake. Final answer. Oh, for two, I'm sorry. This one was Bam. real. Yes. All right, now on to number three. You might want to tuck that into your sock before it causes an offsides. <laughs> Fake. Final answer. Not your day, Ray. Not your day. God this damn one. It. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is another real one. Listen, these these are hard to decipher. Usually. Usually the ones you have to come up with for Brain vs. Twitter are a bit more uh, elaborate, so I understand this one is tough. You don't have to make but, excuses uh... <laughs> for me. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> come on, we need at least one here. Going on to the fourth one. I think he's got ten points stuffed down there. I'm gonna think about this one. Go ahead. Final answer? Final answer. I'm sorry, Brayden. No fucking This is shot. another real one. Oh for 4. I never this, liked Instagram. <laughs> this could be a historically bad uh, performance. Right, We're on it. to the last one. I gotta this, is, this is for all the marbles, or at least any marble. Final one. <laughs> Mate, if you told me after the point deduction we'd have won three in a row, including Newcastle and Chelsea, I'd be that excited too. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I guess fake three times in a row and I was wrong all three times. So, mm. gambler's fallacy, I should be guessing fake again because mm. surely, at some point, okay. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going fake again. You're going fake. fake. We bowl. I'm going fake. He's got one on the board. This okay. is fake. Well oh, done. I was sweating. Well done. I was sweating. And you see this. This one I tried to trip you up by saying mate at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have so, thought <laughs> an American saying mate. <laughs> so you saw right through that. Well done, Brayden. You've gone one for five. That's okay. <laughs> I'd rather do it here than like on the final I have next week or yeah. this week. So <laughs> these are not the important um, tests in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I get I get a lot on my mind, <laughs> including Dwight McNeil's member. <laughs> <laughs> Just etched into my brain now. <laughs> <laughs> um. That just about does it for this week's <laughs> podcast. A match week seventeen coming up, and. I mean, if you're not into the Premier League right now, I don't know if you're ever going to be into the Premier League because the the string of match weeks that we've had, every single match week has brought us just ultimate excitement. Like, I'm starting to watch, like, like Fulham West Ham is a game I never would have watched, but I tuned in because I was like, something fucking crazy is going to happen, and sure enough, they backed five. Like, that's just, like, 
what's going around in the voodoo that's going on in the Premier League this year. And I couldn't be more excited. We'll be home the next time you hear from us. Uh, for, uh, winter break coming up. Both of, uh, Ethan, you'll be home, right? I'll be home. All right, sick. There you go. Um, and with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.